Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a bright future is possible. This podcast will give you a fresh perspective on the world around you. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that we're calling the Conspiracy of Goodness. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been changing the negative dialogue about our times by celebrating the insights and innovation that prove it is still an amazing world. And along the way, I've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with you. Today, I'm going to chat with artist and conscious creator, Marco Santini. Do I have that right? Marco, is that the pronunciation of your name? (laughs) That is right. Great. Not any harder than that, huh? So Marco, I am so excited to talk to you. You've gotten to know my daughter and CEO of Everwidening Circles a lot better than me. So audience transparency, you're going to actually hear the first conversation that Marco and I have ever had. Um, (laughs) You did a pretty good job with her, by the way. (laughs) Well, she's a very, very smart and very big hearted human being on the planet, isn't she? It's been wonderful getting to chat with her, yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, when we decided to start this podcast, I said, Liesl, you know, who in, in your orbit should we talk to first? And you, you were the very first name she mentioned. Oh, honored to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, Marco, I love to have my guests kind of introduce themselves because the people I'm talking to on this podcast tend to be so expansive in the things they've done and tried and succeeded and failed with that we all have a different crazy definition of our work and ourselves. So, you know, introduce yourself. Tell us all about it. Yes. My name is Marco Santini. I think I'm the luckiest person in the world. I get to (laughs) create and educate and work with people young and old on a regular basis to share my life's purpose of love and positivity. I've always considered myself an artist, like we were talking about before the show. I I define art and creativity really as taking thoughts and turning them into actions. And we all do that in very interesting and unique ways. And if we had to label it, I think we're all creative and we're all artists. But my journey really started out from a young age. I was in a very supportive, very creative household. My father is an architect. My mother was a dancer and choreographer. And so I was just in this incredibly modern, beautiful house in northern New Jersey. And, and one thing I really credit my parents for is that they, they very often wouldn't ask me what I was doing, but they would ask me why I was doing. And from a young age, I felt that really helped me to put into motion this idea of what I'm trying to accomplish with my creativity and my experimenting. You know, I, I call myself just like uh, a chief, you know, experimenter for a long time because I just feel like I was just doing anything and everything, mixing paints, throwing this, what would happen if that, my curiosity was taking over. And it wasn't really until about 2016, I started to put this a little bit more in motion. I I started out as a personal challenge with my art. Anytime I had to give a gift, whether it was a wedding, a housewarming, a birthday, I found that as a personal challenge to make a personal gift for someone. And I had so much fun with it. I was doing wedding paintings and uh, customized gifts and things. And it just took off from there. People started asking for it. Uh, it. It really kind of snowballed. And then in 2018, I found my life's purpose to spread love and positivity. 
I studied linguistics in college at Brown University and was always fascinated with the, the way that we communicate, not just with words, but with emotions, with sounds, with colors, with ideas, with body language. There's so many different ways to communicate. And I was very influenced by Keith Haring at the time. And I was really inspired that he was able to get people to understand without understanding language. So with very simple, you know, baby or man or dog or what it was. And then I tried to flip that on its head and say, how can I make it simple by communicating with many languages together. And so I created this one love logo, which had initially the word love in over 40 different languages. It was meant to signify that there's more that unites us and divides us. And I think at that time, people were kind of looking for something that was a little bit more unifying. And I illegally put it up on the streets of New York City in stickers and wheat pastes. And within a few months, I was being asked to paint at weddings, at charity events, at school fundraisers, and it took on this life of its own and has now evolved to have the word love in over 80 languages. And it's been very specific where I now put Arabic next to Hebrew, next to German. I always put Turkish next to Armenian. Now I'm putting Russian and Ukrainian and English next to each other. And it's really this vote of confidence that despite our differences, we all have the word love in our language. We can all relate in some way and, and hopefully, you know, share something together that will allow us to, uh, see the unity and diversity. That's one of my big concepts, the fact that we're all the same, we're all different, and that's beautiful. And I've really been celebrating that, and it's been translated in multiple mediums, but it's been really an amazing journey thus far. Wow, what a great story. <laughs> you know, just for our audience, uh, uh, Marco and I can see each other. We're only recording the audio part of this conversation, but I'm sitting here writing as furiously as I possibly can because there, I didn't want to miss a single question and, uh, that I thought of <laughs> through all that. Okay, so I think right now I'm going to try and take the topics that you spoke about there in a kind of an order that I, I feel like people are needing these days. So you and I spoke a minute before, you know, I've, I've spent 25 years being a, a dentist and, and I too have put a twist on that profession by making it an effort to, to find a way to keep the humanity in healthcare. Mm. My husband and I don't race from room to room. We, we, we spend time with people. And right now, Marco, I've never seen this in 25 years of a practice that where we just fall over and over a cliff with people speak deeply about things they care about. I've never seen people so distraught as they are these days. Something's going on in society, and I believe we're actually at a positive tipping point. It feels really negative, but I, I'm calling it the storm before the calm. Ooh, I like that. I, I've, I've just been saying a similar thing, which is that I think there's going to be this creative awakening. You know, you had people staying in their houses during COVID, and I think a lot of creatives, musicians, artists, poets were just gangbuster putting these interesting creative ideas together and once it's this everything starts to open up and people are back to a, a new normal i think there's just going to be this creative explosion of ideas that i think is very much related with what you're saying i totally do okay so in keeping with this the state of mind that we're all a bit, in a bit of a struggle with right now is the world as bad as we think wait all around us things don't seem so bad that's the thing is that that we are all reaching out for something that you like to talk a lot about, which is beauty. Absolutely. And I've been saying for quite some time now, I stopped looking for truth and instead I look for beauty and I find truth so much more often. Hmm. So, so tell me about this. You found a kind of a beauty 
in language that speaks to something that we can all understand despite what language we actually speak. So tell me about beauty and language and love and and what your insights on all that. Well, I've had a very interesting relationship with beauty that's ever evolving and ever appreciative. But when I was starting out as an artist, I was focusing initially on beauty, solely on beauty, photography, some of my early collage work. And it was an appreciation, but it really needed to be kind of a broader uh, appreciation for what beauty was. You know, before we go on, I really, you know, we forget what kind of society we're living right now. When Marco and I are talking about beauty, I want people to understand it's it's in the very most expansive sense of that word. We're not talking about the cover of People magazine kind of beauty or anything even remotely like that, right? Like, Absolutely. I think beauty encompasses everything. And to, to your point, I think we all have a responsibility for our diet, what we see, what we take in, what we read. And, and beauty is kind of one of those aspects. You can see beauty in everything. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of opened my horizon to that where it translated a little bit better. But that was kind of nothing in comparison to the reception I got from the language, from the positivity, from the unity. I think people see a new beauty in that that's not necessarily based on the way someone looks or feels, but the way that someone feels when they see something that's really moving. Um, Very often I'll I'll deliver pieces. You know, I have this one love piece and I ask people for 50 to 100 words and I customize paintings for them. And I call it my modern family crest. And I, I deliver these and people are just, so filled with emotion to see their custom words, their life story in a piece around this love design. And it's very, very powerful. Um, But to answer your earlier question, I I really was brought to this because I had incredibly supportive friends, family, and and now fiance. They made me feel like I could do anything. They made me feel just so empowered and that I could fail and it would be okay. And then I could just continue my pursuit of my creative passions to see what would work. And I felt it was so important to have other people feel that way. And so that was kind of the inspiration behind not only my one love, but my outreach to painting at schools, to giving talks at schools and to having, you know, turning negatives into positives, a big aspect of my life, my art. And I really try to preach that to people because to your point, we can see the negative if we choose to look at the negative, or you could see the negative and understand why we're supposed to be learning from this and how it can be a positive for us. We, we have a chance to really see what we want to see and not ignoring what's out there, but really not letting certain news outlets or factors influence how we feel. Absolutely. I'm listening to a, a fabulous book right now called Factfulness. Factfulness. Ooh. And it's about a guy who recently passed away named Hans Rustling, R-O-S-L-I-N-G. And he started an organization called OurWorldInData.org. And he's a physician who, I, I can't believe his life story, where he started. He, he started in Mozambique, serving as the only physician for 300,000 people. Wow. And he, he writes this book called Factfulness about how much fear is becoming a part of our reality and what we think is true about the world and what we're focusing on when in fact the world is, is getting better and better and better every day. But the way the internet and the 24 hour news and opinion cycle plays with our minds, you know, we think things are going to heck in a handbasket. So that's why I love this topic of beauty and, and your interpretation of it. You know, Two things you said is uh, that, that cu- I'm curious about if you can share w- with our listeners 
how can we empower other people like people empowered you, Marco? Like, how can we give others the courage and that sense of fearlessness that you have found from your parents and for people that encouraged you? What, what's that everyday kind of practical thing we can start doing? I think that it's important to start at a young age, which is why it's really great to talk to students and talk to people who are just starting out in the art world, telling them that there are no mistakes in art. You, you learn from something, you work it with it. I really, really, truly believe that. And I think that there are some artists who kind of keep their secrets to themselves. I understand that there's a sense of, you know, awe in that, but I love sharing my ideas. I love sharing my techniques. I, I think that as I said, we're all artists and to help anyone in any way see that as a, a way of, of expression is really powerful. I, I love art, not just because it allows me to, to take my ideas and turn them into actions, but I love it because of the trance state I feel when I'm creating. I can create for hours on end and not eat, sleep, go to the bathroom. I, I lose sense of time. And I, I love that. It's very much a, a peaceful reminder certain thoughts come in and out i'll remember i have to email this person or oh i need to follow up on that and it's me choosing that path so i think it's important to to not judge others to help others as much as possible i think you're doing a great job with this podcast edition to to share that with other people I'm much more of a supporter than a than a naysayer or a hater. I think that we really, uh, as artists, I think artists win as a collective when we all are doing better. And I, I would have to uh, to highlight uh, something you've mentioned there too is that you know the creativity that I think you're talking about that level is not just art. It's it's the creative thinking, forming your own opinions. Uh, you mentioned something earlier that I definitely want to talk about, which is curiosity. I mean, I look at reading, at taking a walk and being curious about something you pass by on the ground. I look at it all as art. Tell me more about how curiosity would be is a practical thing for ordinary people who might say to themselves, well, I, I'm not an artist or I'm, I'm not an art person. Tell me about what <laughs> I, tell, tell me about what Degas said. You know, he used to say art is not what what you see, but what you make other people see. Absolutely. I, for me, curiosity starts in the morning. My fiance and I will wake up and we will guess the time. And it's just like a fun little cute way of like, what time do you think it is? We wake up around the same time, but we, we start our day with that. And I think you can see curiosity in anything. You don't just have to go right away to Google or Wikipedia and ask something. You can try to remember. You can try to think about it. I especially sometimes I'll, I'll have something in my mind. I'm like, oh, let me just look it up on my phone. I'm like, no, wait, let me like actually go through the mental process of finding it in my brain. Like, what was that person's name? What did they say? Curiosity is everywhere. I, I think that it, it's so beautiful to to wonder why and to understand why and see how things go. I mean, I think that the the Renaissance man and woman is kind of the highest regard of of human beings. I definitely strive in many ways to to bring that about, and I think. To, to understand the world we are, who we are, mind, body, and soul, and how we interact with each other is just constantly fascinating. That's what, that's what brought me into linguistic anthropology in the first place, my, my major in college. like It's really a science of, of human inter interaction. And yes, it can go into marketing and to focus groups and consulting, but I think that it's starting with a human first mentality is really important. So that human first thing, so I've been noticing that 
that people are focusing a lot on, on trying to sort out what their priorities are right now. And that human first, like we used to not necessarily put human first. We used to put work first. We used to put going to the gym first or whatever. And um, I want you to talk about this concept of life's purpose, because, you know, I always say to people with ever widening circles that uh, I was 52 when I started ever widening circles, I feel like everything that came before that was also that I could do a better job at this. It's so much easier to connect the dots looking back. It is. It totally is. It doesn't make sense. Dentist, social innovator. But um, tell me what you think in the broadest sense for people right now who are saying to themselves, oh, gosh, do I have a higher purpose? What's my purpose? Tell me about your thoughts on that. I've I've actually had this conversation with a bunch of people, and I think it's, it's a range of understanding. It's not just one single definition. I think that your purpose can be defined by, you know, for the next uh, hour, our, our purpose is to share something beautiful with your audience for the next day, for the next week. Like I was lucky enough to kind of have this overarching umbrella of what my life purpose is. And I think that for people who are searching for that, it, it really starts with what do you enjoy? How can you bring your gifts to a community and to a greater good? But it's different for everybody. And I, I had a lot of pushback from a friend recently who was saying like, I don't, under, I don't have mine. I'm, you know, my, my late forties, I don't understand. And I think that that's okay because, you know, their, their family is their purpose for certain times. Their work can be their purpose for certain time. For me, I really translate it to fulfillment. I don't really feel like I'm ever working, so to say. And I've always had personal pushback of just the idea of a nine to five being told when you can work and when you can't work. When an idea strikes for me, I got to answer whether it's the middle of the night or the middle of the day, or, you know, I'm sleeping awake in the middle of something. I just love that, that flexibility. And I realize not everyone has that, but I guess my, my advice would be for people to explore and to try things and knowing what you don't want to do is just as helpful as knowing what you want to do. Absolutely. And you know, that, that is kind of the gift in our times. I'm, I'm constantly sitting down with people and saying, so what, what is the gift of the pandemic for you? Because it would be so easy for me to sit down with every patient and say, Oh, how you doing? But <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> Turn that negative into a positive. That's yeah. right. I sit down and I, uh, and I talk with every patient about what they've found to celebrate in the pandemic. And I know this is just tragic times for our world. And there is always something beautiful and something to celebrate. So, you know, I love this idea that, you know, that when an idea strikes you, 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 you have to answer. So this is the thing. We do have the time. Working remotely has allowed us to be more flexible and try things. And, and I think it's, it's a courage thing for some people. Marco, um, we're also used to being judged or at least thinking people are, are judging us. Tell us about the courage that I know most artists have to have to just put themselves out there day after day. How can that translate to the ordinary person who might be listening to this podcast or somebody like me who, who really needs courage to do the next, next thing and try? I think courage is being able to take your, your inner essence and being able to show it no matter what, no matter how you're challenged. And for me, the earlier part of your question, I've really viewed life recently through the pandemic through the protests, through now the election, as kind of my own personal uh, homework assignment. Like the world is hit with COVID, everything is crazy. How are you going to respond as an artist? And for me, it was working with Elmhurst Hospital, 
uh, designing something really beautiful for them that they ended up putting on their t-shirts for their graduating class and celebrating this image. I did a, a mural in New York City that really thanked all the heroes and the first responders that ended up becoming, there was a mural of positivity with bright colors. I painted it on the windows of Bloomingdale's and then an image of it went viral when a police car was burned down in front of it because uh, it was just like extreme love and, and devotion mixed with, you know, the, the violence of the protest and New York times covered it, New York post covered it. And, and to me, it's really, how are you ex- internalizing and expressing it? Right. I, I painted images of George Floyd. I painted images to show my respect. And I think that as artists, we have the gift of being able to show people sometimes new ways of thinking. You know, I've, I valued education more so explain me not what to think, but how to think. And I'd rather question people or show them a new perspective than say, this is what you should be thinking. And I actually had a, a follower recently bring up an interesting point. I want—I I thought it'd be good to bring up with you. I recently made a post uh, on Instagram and it was talking about my, my design at uh, Bloomingdale's 59th Street, ended up taking those panels from Soho and putting them in the windows where they do all their holiday stuff. And it was kind of this incredible honor to be in there. And I had a follower who wrote back and, and I'm standing in front of a positive vibes only uh, sticker that's on the window. And that this was painted during COVID and before everything happened, uh, at least with the, the protest. And she wrote to me and said, I really appreciate your positivity. I think you're doing a great thing. But she questioned me and she said, do you think there's an essence of toxic positivity where you're going so positive that you are kind of ignoring everything else? And I, I really had this really interesting interaction with her because I think in saying something positive and trying to inspire and trying to be, you know, looking at what I think the world needs, I'm not necessarily ignoring, you know, when I'm saying something, I'm also not saying something, but I'm not saying that thing on purpose, right? I'm addressing all aspects. And so I'm, I, I bring it to you. Have you ever heard of that? Or do you think that, because I, I personally think that, spreading positivity is very important and we can use the negatives to learn from them to let us inspire and to make sure we don't make similar mistakes i think it's really important for open dialogue i really feel it's important to express all ranges of emotion and to see how they come out but uh, toxic positivity really really got under my skin when i first talked to her i must say (laughs) okay i will i will talk to that i will speak to that uh because i was asked to write an article i'm doing ever widening circles is is really rising to the top now of course it's perfect for our times because we 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 wouldn't touch politics with a 10-foot pole we we don't have ads we we are just out there proving that it is still an amazing world that's it we have no other agenda Hey everyone, Dr. Linda here. I wanted to let you know that we just released my book, Happiness is an Option. In the book, I share insights you can use immediately to thrive in the era of the internet. Life is too short. What we are seeing on the internet, social media, and the news is only a slice of reality. But there are four simple shifts you can make to start seeing the rest of the story. And that story can send you soaring every day. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or by going to the website for the book, happieroption.com. So thanks so much for supporting us this way too. And um, and so I'm writing a lot of media articles and and having a lot of interviews, as you might guess, because we've been doing positivity for so long without the division. 
And uh, so anyway, I got asked to write an article for a parenting magazine about toxic positivity. And I thought that was the strangest term when I first looked at it. So I looked it up on the internet like you would. And that gave me a little bit of a notion about it. And here's what I came up with. I'd say there are times when just talking yourself like that fake it till you make it thing. I'm not sure that that's a great strategy for really long-term coping. So it's helpful. It's super helpful. And in the short term, my God, there's times in our life when it's just what we've got to do. That's all there. That's all we have is, is a moment. I've had a one pound baby. <laughs> I spent 118 days trying to overcome toxic positivity. So here's how I took it. I wrote the article like, okay, here's how we have to think of this. We are being so bombarded with negativity that we are so out of balance because we know that's not the way the world is. So all I'm preaching about is the fact that we have to see the whole picture about each other and about the world around us. And if all that we have is what the internet is feeding us now, then we are only seeing a slice of reality. And so uh, so sure, you can, you can knock um, people that just want to have a sunny attitude. <laughs> we know some of them. They're the most beautiful people in our lives. I call them the joyful ones, those people that sing while they're cleaning the toilet and <laughs> the <laughs> joyful ones. But they're not toxic. They're just the kind of people who just look at the world and they, they are choosing what to give their attention to. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. They're better than the rest of us. Those joyful ones they are rare. I only have two in my life and they, they are precious and they point to something right now that we all can adapt to is choosing what we give our attention to. So when I talk about toxic positivity, when I read that article, I said, okay, if, if you want to come down on the people who are just positive thinkers, then how about we give you some practical things to do. And there are practical things to do to stay positive, which is what you just said. (laughs) Try new things. See what you learn about yourself and others. Support other people. There's nothing toxic about being positive about what's possible. Yeah. My first reaction was almost like we've been so accustomed to this negative mindset of media and, and complaining and just everything that's going out there that we had to almost like loop in like, oh, well, you can't be that positive. And, mm-hmm. and it was, I remember it being, you know, trying to kind of take a step back. And first I was like, am I offended by this? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I know that I'm more positive than the average person. But to your point, I'm, I'm choosing it that way. I'm, I'm learning from my negatives. I, I still express just like everyone else and feel a range of emotions. But I'm choosing to focus on these. And it makes every day as great as it can be without letting, you know, all these other voices come in that are trying to take it down. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a good place. I, I, I don't have any sponsors for this podcast yet. So we're just plugging along at Everwinding Circles, doing what we can do. Um, but I do have to tell people the great way to support Everwinding Circles and support my work trying to lift up people like Marco Santini is to help me uh, get the, the book that I've just published out into the world. And it kind of goes to the point that we're talking about, the title of the book, Marco is happiness is an option. That's really what I've learned. Um, you know, I, I, we, you and I had a short conversation before this start recording, but um, in 2013, I was just an ordinary web user like anybody else. I could put something on Facebook about my kids and order a pair of work boots. 
But in seven years, I went to being a global web publisher and understanding what most of us don't know about the internet. So the book, Happiness is an Option, is, is telling people some of the secrets I've learned about the way the internet works and how we have all the power there. I know we all kind of feel like the victims of the negativity on the internet, but it's too long to go into here, but that book will make you feel a lot better about the future. You'll have a lot less fear and a lot more joy. And um, of course, it's on Amazon. It's a real book holding your hand or it's an ebook, whatever you'd like. But let's talk about this happiness is an option thing. You know, I talk to thought leaders all over the world for this podcast every week. And one of the things I've noticed is they have a recipe for success. I'm calling it the innovator's recipe. And I want, I want you to know where you, what part of this five thing, these five things strikes you the most. Okay. I've noticed that people like you, these thought leaders that are doing extraordinary things, they have five habits. The first thing they do is they go back to the source. They don't just come at things initially how it hits them. They kind of peel back the onion. Second thing they do is they put things together that no one ever thought to combine. Like I've got this thought leader I love to refer to named Topher White, who has figured out a way to save the rainforest using old cell phones. Wow. It's it's an unbelievable project. And if I can only do one thing (laughs) with that writing circles is, it is to lift his answer to the, to the, to our problem of saving the rainforest up to the surface. But okay. So the first thing they do, they, they peel back the onion. Second thing, they connect things. No one ever thought to mind. Third thing, they use things that are, they have in surplus. They don't go running around adding more stuff to the universe or looking for it. They use what they've got. The fourth thing is they collaborate with others. They, they don't impose what they're doing on others. And the last thing is they lead with grace. Mm. They're not, enemy builders. They're not talking to others through clenched fists. So tell me in your creative process, what you've discovered about any of those things that resonated with you as I spoke about them. Ooh, a lot of them resonate with me. I, I think I've always said there are three C's to life. Uh, I mentor students and I'll say it's like kind of three C's of college, but for, for life, it's curiosity, showing you're interested in something and, and finding something that is, is inside your brain just you want to explore read try right but then taking that interest and turning it into something is creativity so there's curiosity there's creativity there's doing something with it what have you done what have you read what have you learned what have you understood and then the third c i say is collaboration is bringing that whatever you've done that that project that idea to a larger group whether it's through a, a show a website whatever it is but personally, I have a list. I'm looking at it right now. I have 12 different things that I try to do every single day, and they all relate to a healthier mind, body, and soul. So we're talking about working out, doing yoga, doing stretching for the body. I try to do either a protein shake or a juice every day, so kind of healthy in terms of what I'm taking into my body. In terms of nice. mind, uh, there, there's creating there's reading, there's learning. I've been learning, relearning Italian now. And then for my soul, it's really meditating and doing a mindful practice of understanding who I am, where I'm going and calming down certain emotions, understanding where certain things are coming out and journaling. I journal every single day. But I, but going to your list here now that I'm looking at it, I, I love going back to the source. I think that my big thing there is I've been really trying to learn about acting versus reacting. 
And I think that oh, when, that's we, lovely. when we react, someone else's actions are causing us to do something and we're, we lose our power in that moment. And so are you strong enough to take that deep breath and say, I don't want to react and be frustrated or angry based on this person's perspective or what they've done. I'm going to take that deep breath and, and share who I am. For, oh, that's such a great answer. Yeah. For, for putting things together in new ways, that's uh, one of the main ways of creating new things, right? It's, it's putting things together. It's breaking things apart or it's changing the size. There's like four main things. I read this great book. I forget what it was. I was working in marketing and branding and, and my strategy director gave me this book and it was so, so short. And those are the, the ways of creating things, right? And you, you look at how, how phones get smaller, computers, right? How, how paints, right? You're putting things together. You're taking things apart. It, it's really all that creative process of, of newness. So I definitely relate to that. Using things in surplus, I am a huge upcycler is what I call it. I find yeah. signs on the street and things that are thrown out. Uh, I'm looking at a handbag that I found, a Louis Vuitton handbag I found that was thrown out in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Uh, it was a real one. It just was a little bit tattered on the edges. And I took it home. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. As I came home on the subway, I was thinking like this high-end bag in the low-end trash, you know, ready to be thrown out. And it was like this juxtaposition of high and low. and I painted around it. And I said, um, I, I cut the bag in half. I said, what do you value? I took those letters out of the lining of the other side of the bag and I put it on the new bag. And then I wrote all words of positivity around it. And to me, it's kind of like, there's a certain level of me that understands high-end culture and, and fashion. But to me, it wasn't exactly what I value. And I, I, I see and do things like upcycling all the time. Collaborating with others is, is very important to me from mural projects that I work on with people to the school projects of, of everyone, you know, creating something together. I'll go into schools, you know, part of your question earlier, people don't maybe think they're artists. When you start with language or you start with words, everyone can write or has a, you know, an understanding of a word that touches them or is important. And then from there, I can show people techniques. I've been in boardrooms and I've shown that everyone can be an artist. Everyone can do that. And so collaborating really brings it to the next level of, of, of awareness for a larger group and leading with grace, I think is the way that people start to believe in you. I, I, I just had this conversation yesterday there. I've seen so many incredibly talented artists who just don't have the social skills or the drive or the inspiration to go beyond just drawing or painting in their room. And I, I admire their talent and their skills, but I think the leading with grace is being, you know, believing in yourself that what you're doing is powerful enough to share with others, to go out there, to, to learn and to, you know, I think that with the collaboration really kind of goes hand in hand. So I love those five. I think I definitely relate to them in different ways, but yeah, that's a good list. <laughs> It is a good list. And it, it, I think I, I, I love something that you just said uh, for those of us. I hope you can, you know, replay the podcast and get get the ideas off Marco's list. I love this idea of having, what do you have, a big whiteboard with those, those things? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I got the I, Monday, Monday through Sunday and I check off every time I do it. You know, I realize what I need to focus on, what I've been focusing on, what where I'm lacking. And it's just, it's a way for me to do it. It makes me feel so good that I'm, I'm nurturing my, my holistic self. Oh, that is so great. You know, the power of checklists. We have a fabulous article on a writing circles about the power of checklists. And you're reminding me about one of the biggest sentiments in that thing. And we need it now. Right now, if you want to get through this upheaval, make yourself a checklist of the things that trigger your very best self to come out. 
because we're being triggered. Our very worst self is being triggered constantly. And Marco's talking about a technique, you know, that surgeons use and that airline pilots use. I mean, there's no, there's no landing on the runway nine out of 10 times, right? (laughs) For surgeons and airline pilots. And I think how we construct our lives and construct our days is at least as important as the work of a surgeon or a pilot. Absolutely. And I I think there's a slight distinction because I I have both, but I have to-do lists where I daily write down specific tasks that I need to do, things I need to accomplish, proposals I need to send out, paintings I need to ship. But for this, every, you know, this, uh, I call it my best self list. You know, I'm looking at right now, I have visualize on there, right? The idea of taking those big tasks and those big ideas of things I want, those big goals I want to accomplish and just every single sense coming in. What does it feel like to receive that that big check from that big art sale that I'm going to do? What is it? What does it smell like? What is it like shaking the person's hand or having someone come to my art studio and feeling them, you know, appreciate my artwork. I have learn on there, right? Learn can be in many different ways, but like every day I want to try to, to read or to study a new language or to do something that just gets my mind, you know, thinking. And so it's different for everybody. I feel like everyone has their own way of doing it, but the thing is you just got to do it. Whatever your list is, whatever your way of finding your best self, just do it. Just do it. And these are the times to do it. This Absolutely. is exactly, yeah, I'm calling this the great pause. Mm. What if we just called this the great pause? It, there is a pandemic. There are climate change things coming all around us. There are, there is social unrest. There, there are all those things. And and there is also a time right now to pause and really think with some uh, clarity about what we want to give our attention to next. And even so, when possible, you see a lot of people, I mean, more people than ever realize they can work from home. Uh, more people than ever realize that they can learn on YouTube for free. And it's yeah. just, it's really empowering. I like that. Um, so I want people to learn all about your work. I want them to see it. I want them to feel it. I want I want you to ripple through society <laughs> and demonstrate that that you know art can be words. And while we all might not be able to pick up a pen and draw, we can all use our words to bring beauty to the surface. Absolutely. So tell us tell us where tell us where everybody can find where where would you like me to send people? Tell us where we can find your work. I am most active uh, well, I'm most active on Instagram, uh, underscore Marco, underscore Santini, underscore. My website has most of my work on there, which is marco-santini.com. If you're in New York City for the next uh, two weeks, my work is on display both in the windows and the second floor of Bloomingdale's uh, global headquarters on 59th Street. And I'm just, I'm constantly working on new ideas. We were talking about it earlier and what we all did during COVID. My big thing is I've created this entirely new series and that was why i was so excited before we started i had to run down because i got the first piece delivered to me that was framed and it's just seeing the fruits of your labor come together in such a beautiful way and be finished just is so motivating but yeah as an artist i'm always working on new things I, I love and i also miss how often i'm either painting at live events or having people in my studio because i feel like there's just such a an interest to seeing the range of my work and you know, I, I focus on language, but I focus on so many things. It starts with love and positivity, but from there, it's kind of this giant kaleidoscope of different interpretations and mediums. So 
I just I missed I miss those human connections, and I've tried digital ones. They're, they're working in some ways. I, I'm very optimistic for the next few months and, and getting back to a new normal. But hopefully, people can find me in many different ways uh, through your services. I love the article that you guys uh, covered for me, and just always trying to push new boundaries. Okay, so you just given me an aha moment. You know, when you were talking about you know, what you miss and what you love. I, I was thinking, you know, a lot of times art is a way of being in this in service of others. A lot of times art is a way of being in service of yourself, of, you know, getting to something new inside yourself. But you definitely impressed me as one of those artists that's in service to others, just like the best kind of doctors, the best kind of, a, a dentist for that matter, the best kind of, Oh, there's just so many people that are rising to the surface right now that are running their lives like they're in the service of others. And I'm a firm believer that you can do it in almost any any business you're in. I believe that as well. My my favorite thing to do from an artistic perspective, and, and probably top and one of the top in my life, is to live paint in front of other people. I will usually have my one love logo in the middle of the canvas and at charities, at birthdays, at weddings, randomly on the street at corporate events, I will ask people a certain question and then their response gets recorded in the painting. And it's just so fun. It's so interactive. You know, I ask people, I very often ask them, what does love mean to you? Or what is something that you love? I ask people to complete the sentence, love is on Valentine's Day last year. And then I painted a mural with that. But it's it's, it's the interactivity. It's It's getting them to think about the positive aspect, you know, randomly walking by or seeing something and bring that positivity to their life. It's having them basically this collaborative effort where their word is now part of this painting. And then if, you know, if it's auctioned off, if it's, um, you know, up in an office, if it's sold, whatever it is, it's this collaborative effort from this one moment. Um, in a very, in a very similar way last year, the end of July, I, I took a subway map and I printed it on canvas and I went to all five boroughs in New York city. And I asked total strangers in the subway what they loved about New York city. And I painted their answers on a subway map and it, I, I documented the whole thing. It was on my Instagram page. And it was just such a fascinating anthropological experiment where almost everybody, you know, New Yorkers get a bad rap. They're tough. They're hard. They're mean. 99% of the people I talked to, you know, there's, there's one person aside, everyone else, was friendly, was so nice, gave me thoughts, gave me answers, wanted to know more about it. And then I came away with this incredibly interesting piece that documents what people that one day on in all five boroughs on the subway thought about New York City. And it just, it was so exciting. And I just, I, I, so I miss those, those little experiments, those endeavors in the world. And I'm very much looking forward to the continuation of that. Oh, that is such a lovely sentiment. We do need to find ways to get back together and and connect. That is a, a really lovely part of this. So, um, you know, I always finish out my interviews by asking people one last question. Okay, so you know that Ever Widening Circles has the second line, it, it is still an amazing world. So what reminds you every day that it is still an amazing world? <sighs> Ah, many things. I think waking up and seeing my smiling fiance is great. Um, one of the things on my list uh, that I mentioned earlier is to call a friend. Every single day I call somebody 
um, that I haven't talked to, a friend from new or old, and I just, I love that human connection. I actually, um, from a selfish perspective, I went to the restaurant directly across the street from the door, from my apartment door. I asked them, and we worked out a deal where I painted a mural directly across the street. So every day I walk out of my door, I see a giant 40-foot mural that I've created and with words love in many languages, bright colors, and just every day I, I start with a smile. And that is just like a very beautifully awesome, fun thing. I love that. Yeah, that was so I love awesome. That. that is a fun video on my Instagram page about that. Whenever I'm down, though, I think the thing that I do when I'm down is I either I, I try to learn or I try to help other people. And that always picks me up, uh, which I really, really appreciate, um, whether it's artistically, educationally or something else. So, yeah, I, I find joy in a lot of things. And I, I, I in a prior life, I, I was an inventor. I had, I had a patent for this new ping pong invention. And I called myself, it was the first time I got to give myself a title. And I called myself the chief optimist. And everything, everyone thought I was crazy and ridiculous. And it was like, that was who I was. It might not have been the exact right role for what I was trying to do with this company. But it's translated into art and to trying to find the good in everything and help others see that. And I think that you know, you, we lead by example. When, when people experience someone who is so positive and looking at something in a new way, I think it, it helps them to see and to question. And I, I think that is really beautiful. That is a great piece of advice. I mean, we all can choose what to give our attention to. And I, I know our listeners have, have gone on a little journey with you and I this, this morning. And maybe everybody will have about 30 new things to pay attention to just by hearing your sense of optimism about what's possible. It's so delightful. Okay. And I, and I never did get to the six questions I had written down to ask you. Oh man. Should we end with one of them? (laughs) Okay. No, because I think these six questions are, they just, yes, they deserve part two. So we're going to set up another call and we'll talk about all these, all these other, (laughs) these other things that I had written down that I thought were so important before I spoke to you. Hey, you know, for more information uh, about Marco's work and and anything that he and I mentioned, check out the show notes below. Um, Boy, our show notes are extraordinary. The team really goes crazy down there. So you can find links to everything. And as always, you know, dive into everwideningcircles.com. It's it's a universe now full of constellations. There's this podcast. There's a website for students around the world at ewced.com. There is a, uh, a beautiful, beautiful app. We have an app that costs $1 a month, and it's like having the antidote to the daily news in the palm of your hand. So that's a really great way. People ask me every day how they can support Ever Widening Circles. It's by, by downloading the app, using it every day, and just being a better person because you know what's possible now. Just keep in mind, we are only seeing a slice of reality on the internet. And there are tens of thousands of people like Marco Santini who are changing the future for us all. And we need to lift them up because when we do, we're going to lift our, ourselves up. We can get Art artists and scientists and creatives and innovators all over the world to rise to the top on the internet if we start supporting positive content. So helping us with the app is a great way to, to start doing that. Also, big news. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but you'll be able to see the recordings. We are hosting the very first 
Conspiracy of Goodness Summit. Ooh. On our, yeah, on, on October 4th, um, you'll learn about this great little phrase, the conspiracy of goodness. I guess it's a great big phrase, if you ask me. Um, in, in my book, Happiness is an Option. So um, if you want to find uh, way less fear and a lot more joy and a brighter future, we're going to kick off that effort on October 4th. And if, I, as I say, if this recording comes out after October 4th, you'll be able to go to the Conspiracy of Goodness Summit website and hear all the recordings. We have eight amazing speakers who are thought leaders in the world who are going to take us all on a little journey that we could not go out without them. And they're from all fields and they will, they will point to this wave of progress that I've been talking to people about. So I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through the end of your week. Thank you, Marco. Everybody start finding more joy and positivity and you will help us open a new era. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. For more information about our guests' work or the subjects we mentioned, check out the show notes for the links. And as always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting us at ewc.co. That's short for ever-widening circles, ewc.co. If there are students in your life, turn them loose on the education site that we have at Everwinding Circles. You can find that at ewced.com. And subscribe to the Everwinding Circles app. People are always asking me what they can do to help. This is the number one thing you can do to help our efforts. For less than a dollar a month, you will have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand with our app. And that $1 will help us send a signal to content creators that people will support positive content. And big news, (laughs) we will be hosting the first Conspiracy of Goodness Summit on October 4th. You can get tickets to that and be able to enjoy the recorded program thereafter at cogsummit.com. Cog is short for Conspiracy of Goodness. C-O-G Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot com. I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all that joy and wonder we've been talking about.